Hi, everyone. Gia here. And I just wanted to take a little moment to let you know something personal that I will be leaving the podcast after we release our sixth episode. So let me explain. If you follow me on social media, I announced that I am leaving my job at Care 11 as one of the morning anchors and I am moving. So I unfortunately have to be a little bit vague about where I'm going only because contracts and people bigger than me who tell me don't do this yet. So I can't tell you where exactly I'm headed, but soon, very soon. And I just really wanted to let you all know, the listeners, that this show has really been so fulfilling for me, really to get to sit here and capture conversations with people in our community who are really change makers. I have been so, so grateful to be able to sit in this chair. But also, I've been really grateful for the listener support because I've heard things from you like, I was in tears. My children and I are going to listen to this again tonight. And that moves me. I've also heard from friends and family who aren't Hmong who are saying, I never knew. I grew up with Hmong people in Fresno. I also live in Minnesota now. They're, they've been my neighbors for years, for my entire life, basically. And I never knew this and how little I knew and how much more I'm learning through this podcast. So... All of that is to say, I thank you so much for listening. I thank you so much for telling us your stories and feeling like you can trust us with your stories to share them as well. And I want you to know that that all means a lot to me. And also, I'm leaving this show, but it doesn't mean that I'm done connecting with my Hmong culture. So one of the things I talked about a couple of years ago, my New Year's resolution, which I never really make resolutions, but... You know, my partner's mom said, what are you guys' resolutions? And my partner and I kind of looked at each other and we thought about it. And that year, I think it was about two years ago, I said, I think I want to lean into my mongness more. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to do it. And I really did. And, you know, I've been able to tell more stories at CARE that are nuanced stories about our Hmong community. I've been able to learn more from all of the different community members that I've become friends with over the years. I've been able to talk to my dad about some of his stories growing up. I've been able to then host this podcast with Chef Yavang, Vang, where we explore our dual realities. And so I am more passionate than ever about being Hmong, being Hmong American, Monglish in general. And I will encourage all of our listeners to find your own opportunities to really understand who you are and who our people are. Because as a lot of our guests have said, you know, once you know who we are, then you know better who you are. And then you can then be better for the community, our community, but also the community of the world in general. So I just feel really, really lucky. I feel really, really lucky. And thank you all for having me here in Minnesota for the last three years. I've said many, many times in the last couple of weeks here as I made this decision, 
there's one thing that I've learned recently about our own people, and this is why knowing your history is so important. Lionel Rosenblatt was a U.S. Foreign Service officer in the 70s, and he is one of the big reasons why Hmong people are here in the U.S., particularly here in Minnesota, particularly Southeast Asian communities. But specifically the Hmong community, when you talk to him about the Hmong community, he talks a lot about the Hmong people being a collective. He tells the stories of going to the different border camps in the 70s and trying to find people to fill the last 11,000 remaining uh, positions for resettlement in the U.S. And Washington, the Washington elites, as he calls them, didn't want the Hmong people to come to the U.S. because they thought we were too primitive. They thought that we wouldn't thrive here in this country. And Rosenblatt said, I don't understand why the Hmong people were good enough to fight for America, but not good enough to resettle here. So he had a problem with that. So he and his team disguised a way to put Hmong people in the resettlement documents without calling them out, without saying that they were Hmong, because he knew there was a bias. And he tells me the story of then once we were able to get that through, we came to the clan leaders of the Hmong people at the Banvinai refugee camp and said, hey, what do you guys think about coming to the U.S.? And the Hmong clan leaders all discussed and they gave them so many options before ever deciding to come. Options of why can't you guys give us guns? We'll defend our own territory in Laos. Why can't you guys give us guns? We'll defend our own territory in in Thailand. Okay, if we come to America, can we get lands like the indigenous people? All of which the U.S. could not do in its capacity. So the Hmong were finally able to be persuaded to come to the U.S. because Lionel said that they learned about secondary migration here in the U.S. Lionel said, because to be clear, the Hmong people never wanted or sought resettlement. They always wanted to stay together. So all of those ideas that you heard were ideas in which the Hmong people were together. And I think this is why it's been such a grieving process for me to leave this community, because I really, truly feel that there has been a sort of evolution, a collective group that's settled here and created their own thriving community and also proved the naysayers, the Washington elites, so Lionel calls them wrong. And I have been just so, so grateful and feel so lucky to be a part of a vibrant Hmong community such as the one in the Twin Cities that really, I would say, is unique to the rest of the world. There's no place where Hmong people can thrive like they do in the Twin Cities. There's no place where Hmong businesses can thrive like they do in the Twin Cities. There's no place where you can be Hmong and feel a sense of familiarity, a sense of home, uh, like we do in the Twin Cities. So that's a little history lesson for you again, and it also makes me feel connected to my culture again and understand why I've been grieving so much. Um, But I want you to know that it wasn't an easy decision to leave, and I think that, you know, you make the best decisions you can with, with what you have, and this is kind of where I'm headed, but... I do want you to know that this has been an important place for me to grow and grow into my Hmongness. And this podcast has been a really um, awesome place for me to 
to also kind of bloom in that way. So thank you, listeners. And I know that you all will continue to carry the torch. I know that I wasn't the only one doing this, but our community was already doing this years before I got here. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Hey, it's Matt, producer for the show. I know this news is a bit of a bummer. You're going to miss Gia. I'm going to miss Gia. But this doesn't mean the end of Munglish. Gia and I are figuring out a new direction for season two. One thing I want to add is that when we recorded this, Gia could not contractually say where she was going. But a week after recording, she was allowed to publicly announce that she's moving to California to be an anchor for NBC Bay Area in San Francisco. If you follow Gia, you probably know this already, and we are so happy for her, so excited for this major, major advancement in her career. And so in the meantime, we'll begin working on season two, and we hope that you enjoy the next two episodes of season one, which are slated to come out this Wednesday and next Wednesday. We'll see you soon.